We are in Come Follow Me, week five, Moses seven. And there's a couple things that that really jumped out to me. And the first is, I think it's interesting that our church really does not touch, as a seminary teacher, we really don't touch the whole um, skin of blackness. Our church has disavowed that that is the curse, and I agree. I grew up in a home where we, my parents were really good at teaching us that every man is my superior and that I learn from him. Um, we, there was no prejudice as far as I knew in our home. Um, we never looked at anyone with a different color of skin and thought we were superior. They were less than. Did we know that Cain was evil and had done something wrong? Yes. And that the curse was he was cut off from the Lord. It was the same thing with Laman and Lemuel. Um, it never dawned on us that the curse was a color of skin. And so as I have taught this in seminary, that's how I have taught it. And it's just interesting to me because I feel like it's not even something um, we talk about or teach. And so what really jumped out to me in Moses 7 is how much is in here about that darkness. And so I kind of want to jump into this because I think, as I have taught it, my students really embrace that, that the curse was not a color of skin. The curse was being cut off from God. That seems very logical. And so I want to start with these verses where it really jumps out. So in verse 8, chapter 7, it says, There was a blackness that came on the children of Canaan, and they were despised among all people. So then go to 15. And um, a curse upon all people that fought against God. Okay? Um, and then let's go 56 and 57. And it says... All the creations of God mourned, and the earth groaned, and the rocks were wet, and the saints arose and were crowned at the right hand. Okay, sorry. And the heavens were veiled. <laughs> Missed that sentence in 56. He heard a loud voice, and the heavens were veiled. Okay. And then if you go in verse 57, as many as the spirits as were in prison came forth and stood on the right hand of God and the remainder were reserved in chains of darkness until the judgment of the great day. And then in 61, um, let's see. But before that day, the heavens shall be darkened and a veil of darkness shall cover the earth and the heavens shall shake and also the earth and great tribulation shall be among my children the ch among the children of men. Sorry, but my people will I preserve. Okay, so all of that, I feel like, serves to really teach and foster exactly what, how my parents taught this. And I love that because it is being cut off from God. And in verse 1, it talks about, it starts in verse 1. Enoch continued his speech, saying, Behold, our father Adam taught these things, and many believed and became the sons of God. So if you believe, you become his sons and daughters. Many believed not and have perished in their sins, been cut off, and are looking forth with fear in torment for the fiery indignation of the wrath of God to be poured upon them. They don't have the spirit. And what is left when you have no light, when you do not have God, you have fear. 
and you are in torment and they have chosen this. And the thing that I loved about that is then we jump into this whole discussion where Enoch is so sad and Enoch cries to the people, repent, turn unto God. He's trying to do what all prophets have done and then jump to 37 and 38 but behold, their sin shall be upon the heads of their fathers. Satan shall be their father. Misery shall be their doom. And the heavens shall weep over them, even all the workmanship of my hands. Wherefore should not the heavens weep, seeing these shall suffer. And I love that, that he's not, well, we'll just, you know, I lost a third of my kids in heaven. Oh, well, I have a fullness of joy. I love this because if we are one with God, that does cause us mourning. And all of us who have family members who have stepped away from that light and become, quote unquote, spiritually dumb, we've seen the spirit removed because of choices they have made. All of us know what that is to weep and to mourn. And I love this so much because the heavens weep. God weeps. He doesn't just cut them off. And Enoch weeps because he is one with God. He desires the same thing God desires. And in 38, it says, But behold, these which thine eyes are upon shall perish in the flood. I will shut them up. A prison have I prepared for them. Now, this is a great thing. This is spirit prison. He hasn't cut them off permanently. He has prepared a way where they will continue to be taught and we will teach them. And because we are mourning and in sorrow and weeping, we will plead with them to turn back to God. And that is a beautiful thing. In 44, it says, Enoch saw this, had bitterness of soul, wept over his brethren and said, I will refuse to be comforted. And God says, lift up your heart, be glad, and look. And part of that is the spirit prison that he has prepared. But then he goes, 47, Enoch saw the day of the coming of the Son of Man, and his soul rejoiced. He sees how repentance is going to come, 48. And Enoch looked at the earth, and he heard a voice from the bowels of the earth saying, Woe is me, the mother of men, I am pained, I am weary because of the wickedness of the children of men. When shall I rest and be cleansed from the filthiness that has gone forth out of me? And I just love that because I've said before how happy it makes me to think that the earth has a spirit and is so intent on obeying God that the earth is one with God. The reason it says we are less than the dust of the earth is not God loves us less, as I've said before. It's that the dust, the earth, the stars, the sun, the moon, all of God's creations obey him. And we are the greatest of his creation and he gave us our agency and so many of us choose not. And I love this because the earth is one with God and is mourning because of the wickedness of the people and wants to know when it will have a rest, when it can joy, as Enoch wants to know. Okay, so here comes the other hand of that, okay? How Enoch walked with God and created Zion and created these people that were one with God. And one of the greatest titles I love in this section is it calls 
the Savior, the King of Zion, that he will rule and reign and dwell among us. And I love that. So let's start these verses. In verse 13, it says, And so great was the faith of Enoch that he led the people to God, and their enemies came to battle against them. And he spake the word of the Lord, and the earth trembled. And the mountains fled, even according to his command, and the rivers of water were turned out of their course. All nations feared greatly. So powerful was the word of Enoch. So great was the power of the language which God had given him. He is one with God, and he is using God's words, God's priesthood, God's power. And I love that. Okay, and then I love in 20 through 24, when it talks about Zion, I love these words. Enoch talked with the Lord. Surely Zion shall dwell in safety forever. The Lord said, Zion have I blessed. And then it says, in the process of time, it was taken up into heaven. Behold, the Lord said, mine abode forever. The Lord will be there forever. 22 um, let's see, no, 23, and Zion was taken up into heaven, Enoch beheld, and all the nations of the earth were before, before him, and 24, lifted up even into the bosom of the Father, and the power of Satan was upon the face of the earth, and the thing that's so cool about that is it's lifted up, and it's almost like, in my mind, it's above the earth, right? That's how I think of it where Satan's power is on the earth. So Satan can't reach them, has no power. That's what that illustrates to me. And the thought I had in my head was of this friend that I used to say I worked with, and I just said, she just dwells above the earth. All of these things that bother me and bug me don't bother her. She really dwells with God. And all of this other is unnecessary to her. She's She works for God and she just doesn't even worry about it. And I wondered if any of you knew someone like that, that really walks with God. And it seems like the things that trouble you and me and bother you and me and the weaknesses of the earth don't bother them. They have learned this process of really communing with God and walking with him. And they are not of the earth anymore. And it seems like Satan has no power over them. So I loved that. Okay, so then turn to 47. <clears throat> so Enoch has been told to rejoice. He's sorrowing and he says, I refuse to be comforted. And then it says, Enoch saw the day of the coming of the Son of Man and his soul rejoiced. Righteousness is lifted up. The lamb is slain. I am in the bosom of the Father, and Zion is with me. And, and then in 48, Enoch looked upon the earth, and he heard a voice. Oh, yeah. Okay, sorry. So it's seeing the Savior. We already did that. The Savior, and knowing it is through his crucifixion. It is through his gift of the atonement and repentance that this chance comes for these people. And Enoch rejoices in that. And then in 53, and the Lord said, blessed is he through whose seed the Messiah shall come. For he said, I am the Messiah, the King of Zion. And that's the title that I love. I have spoken for they shall come forth with songs of everlasting joy. And then jump down to, let's see, it's 63 through 69. And the Lord said to Enoch, then shalt thou and thy city meet them there. 
and we will receive them, and it's all the righteous that he has taken out of the earth. We will receive them into our bosom. Okay, and you have to think, how long have they been doing this? How long have they been living like this? They are really going to help us be able to be one. It isn't that they're all perfect. It's that they are all one in their desire to follow God. And Satan seems to lose his grasp on them, his power on them, because they have learned to so attune their desire to God's and they've become one with him. So they will really help us with that. 64, and there shall be mine abode and it shall be my Zion, which shall come forth of all the creations I have made for the space of a thousand years, the earth shall rest. So when will the earth rest and joy in the millennium? Because Satan will be bound, and, and true, it will be a physical binding, which I love. I hate when they teach it will be through our righteousness because it seems impossible. Living in the earth, I'm like, okay, hey, that's never happening. Christ is never coming. No, it is a physical. We read it is a physical binding, and, and Christ will do it. But it is true. We know people who have so attuned their life to walking with God like Enoch and becoming one with him that Satan has no power. They are lifted up. And that is spiritually. Okay, 67. And the Lord showed Enoch all these things, even to the end of the world. And he saw the day of righteousness, the hour of their redemption, and received a fullness of joy. And it is through this thousand years of preaching this prison that we will continue to reach out that he has this joy that God has a plan it is never that they're cut off yes they have removed themselves from God's spirit but hopefully through the process of time of this fear and this turmoil and this suffering they decide it's enough and they will turn like Alma the Younger in his darkest abyss after three days and three is spiritual, meaning complete. He cries out, oh Jesus, thou son of God, have mercy on me. Hopefully over the process of time, it is enough suffering and darkness and the chains of Satan that these people will cry out, oh Jesus, have mercy. Okay, and then I love this, 68 365 years with Enoch and Enoch 69 and all his people walked with God, God, sorry, and he dwelt in the midst of Zion and it came to pass, Zion was not, for God received it to his own bosom and thence went forth, this, went forth the saying, Zion is fled. And I loved in Elder Anderson's conference talk, I think it was right after COVID had hit because I was really emotional and thinking um, that this was the end. We had had that earthquake and, and I wish it was, but I'm praying that it is. But I, one of my questions I prayed as I listened to conference is, is this the second coming? And Elder Anderson gave this beautiful, beautiful talk and talked about Zion coming down and us being caught up, caught up to meet them, which means again, to me, spiritually living above the, the darkness and the chains that bind the earth, that we are beyond Satan's power. And we can prepare for that now. We can be so in tune with God and so attuned to trying to be one with him. But I loved this, that we mourn for those who are in that. And when that scripture says in this section, Moses 7, there was no poor among them. That means spiritually, emotionally, physically, that we look for those constantly who are suffering and we lift them 
and we help them and we help them to see a glimmer of light and desire to be there. I love that story of the 300 prisoners when Nephi and Lehi in, in third Nephi are encircled with fire and Aminadab who once was a believer and has gone away as a dissenter is in prison. Can you imagine how sad his parents are? Like they feel like they have failed. He is a covenant child of the gospel and has been taught in a home. And here he is in prison with these 300 other people. And Aminadab sees and he teaches the prisoners, turn and pray. They are praying to God and he becomes a missionary and all 300 are converted and become missionaries and go and teach the Lamanites and have this huge success of converting thousands and thousands. It's a story I so want to hear the longer account of. But I love that because what Moses 7 teaches me is not only do I have the desire to walk with God and become one with him and have that power that Enoch had to speak the word of God and to know that the earth will obey because I am one with God and that Satan will have no hold on me. Not only do I wish that, but I so want to help those who are quote unquote poor among us to know to not have their heart fail, to not give up, to know that God's mercy is so great. It covers all and he wants all of us. And there is no end to that mercy. And that's what Enoch rejoiced in. And I love that. I hope you know the church is true. And more than that, I hope you know how much our Savior loves you.